Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by Lines.com. Back home from vacation, coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast, holding it down for us while I was away for a bit. Uh, obviously managed to stay along here with you guys. We have a Tuesday night slate, I am told. Jet lag is still creeping in, uh, but it's a little five-gamer here on Tuesday night in the NBA. We've got a couple game videos up for you and our player props, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us each and every weekday of this regular season. Also head to thelines.com. Nate and company have their great written content on there, player props, game lines, and the like all season long for you guys. And our great odds finder tool on there. We can go ahead and make sure that you're shopping those lines and player props across U.S. sportsbooks to the best of your ability. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into this little five-game slate and then kick things off with this game video, Knicks and Yaz. Yeah, the first game, there is a ton of injury news to monitor. Memphis plus three and a half at the Pels. Desmond Bain, doubtful. Jaron Jackson Jr. expected to make his debut. Zion is the game time decision for New Orleans. So can't make any conclusions about that until we figure out what's going on there. Clippers on a back-to-back are plus seven at Dallas. Dallas struggled on that East Coast road trip. They're coming back home. The Knicks are plus five now at the Jazz. It was plus four a minute ago, but um, Fire Tibbs gaining some steam along with that line for Utah at home. The Nets are plus two at the Kings. We're going to talk about that game in a separate video. That's fluctuated between two and three. Total is at 226.5. That's been rising. And then the Spurs plus eight and a half at the Blazers. Uh, Spurs on a back-to-back after getting waxed in in Golden State there. So uh, the Knicks, yeah, I mean, 145 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday. Um, Seems like a last straw kind of moment. I mean, that comes after getting trucked by Brooklyn, scoring just 85 points against a team that opened the season as the worst defense in the league and allowing the the Celtics to hit a franchise record 27 threes and basically clown all over you with every single player to check in, hit a three. Uh, Apparently 20 of of OKC's 31 attempts were tracked as wide open on Sunday. They scored 145 points. Uh, This is a team that came in 29th in three-point percentage. Like nobody is really a sniper on that team, and then they shot 54%. Against the Knicks. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a Tom Thibodeau team. If you're not playing defense, I, I don't know how they're going to pull out wins here. Their offense is improved. That's mostly due to just Jalen Brunson being a, a stabilizing force. But Tibbs is is going to have a short leash for any guys that, that mess up on defense. We saw R.J. Barrett benched on Sunday. Uh <clears throat> You know, it's just like who knows what could happen here in Utah if they get off to a rough start. And Utah is just like, as we know, the most surprising team in the NBA, especially at home. They're five and zero. They're four and one against the spread. Um, they are both third in offensive and defensive efficiency at home. That's some straight up Suns shit. And they they're back home now after six of their last seven were on the road. These home wins aren't cupcakes either, right? The back-to-back over Memphis, like getting that team twice in a row and opening with a blowout over Denver. Uh, Yeah, you look at fifth in points and assists, fourth in three-pointers, which is something, again, we have to come back to here because the Knicks are really struggling to guard the three-point line right now. Um, And the Jazz do have snipers. They have big men who are snipers as well, which is a real problem when you get Julius Randle and company in rotation out there. Mitch Robinson is a game time decision with that knee. 
I don't think he's a good matchup defensively for this Jazz team with Olenek and Markinen out there. And then the Jazz, they shut down the three-point line. They're lying with fewest threes per game. Uh, Knicks are not particularly adept at that end of the floor. They're awful offensively on the road, 29th in offensive efficiency. And they've been going over pretty consistently at home here, including that massive combined total. Yeah, I mean, they're fourth, they're dead last in fourth quarter scoring, 29th in offensive efficiency on the road. Jazz are shutting that down. So I actually lean under here um, in general. I think the Knicks, if they are playing for Tibbs' job or uh, if they do care, uh, will come out with a bit of a renewed effort on the defensive end. I don't really see them winning this game, though. Utah is a very tough place to play. Knicks have lost seven of the last eight in Utah, which, you know, for what it's worth, it's a completely different team at this point, but it's still a tough, loud arena. And um, so I think if you want to tease the Jazz back down to minus one, it could even grow more um, in terms of the Jazz favor here. And then you take under 234. I don't hate that. It's Yeah, 234. I mean, yeah, that's a 230 feels kind of crazy right now. I, I'm, I'm not going to really touch the total. I would definitely lean under. Um, it's not really where I'm starting in this game just because of the fact that the Knicks have been so bad on the road, man. I mean, there, there is something to the fact that they've been so much worse on offense on the road. And I think that's that's probably a, a pretty big part of all of this. Um, but it, their defense isn't exactly like better, right? Like it, it, it's a little bit better in certain areas, um, but it's really the same that it was last year. And that offense, like, I don't know, is it really better with Jalen? I think what we were all hoping for when we when we got Jalen and by we, I mean the proverbial Knicks fan was a point guard. And, and we thought that at the very beginning of the season um, that maybe that was the case. And, and I, I told you right after they were three and one and they had just beaten Charlotte, Orlando and Detroit. And, and you, you know, I told you, like, let's be easy. They're coming into this game against uh, against the Bucks, And they were, you know, something like eight and a half, seven and a half point dogs. And we were like, well, look, they're three and one. And look at how much better they are with Jalen. And it was like, this is all a hoax, man. And the next X amount of games just really told us that because it's a tale of two opponents who are the Knicks playing are they playing anybody with any any kind of uh playoff hopes and aspirations or are they playing a team like Charlotte who's you know down three or four of their key guys uh or a team like Detroit who's still just on the rise a team like Orlando who's excited to you know be winning games at home even if they can't win on the like it, there's nobody there so when they play the Bucks uh when they play obviously that Grizzlies game at home to start was also somewhat promising because they hung with them they put up the points they took it to overtime um but really it was all just like I said it was all just a fluke it was all a hoax it's when they're playing teams that are better than 500 or 500 or better and I'm not even including the Nets in that one um where they got waxed uh by by the Nets there who are still under 500 um and I'm including Philly who's at 500 and that's the one team that they beat and they didn't have Embiid or Harden in that game right so they haven't played anybody that's really what it is they're one in five they're losing those games by nine points a game uh when they're underdogs because they're playing a team better than them three and four against a spread two and five straight up losing those games by an average of almost eight points a game failing to cover in those games where they're dogs by almost four or almost five points a game um so you know it's 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 not really promising for them right now. I, I've been on the fire Tibbs bandwagon since before they got Jalen, um, just because I think he's reached the ceiling with this team. And it's been the, the his calling card and the way that things work. Uh, the team sort of, it's not that they, they even stop listening to him. I just, there's definitely no like 
let's play for Tibbs kind of, you know, mantras going on in that Knicks locker room. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what the chemistry situation is. I think it's, you know, it's not like it's the same situation as Minnesota where all of their issues, they were like such a great vibes team last year. Um, and they just lost a bunch of their key players on the wing. They're not the same vibes team anymore. It's not like that with them, but there's no heart to this team. It's not like Jalen Brunson is the leader. RJ Barrett just got benched in a year that he's playing better than he ever has offensively. Um, and everything that they're doing is still just Tibbs ball, man. Like, yeah, they can score in the paint. Um, they're getting a lot of rebounds. They're not getting that many second chance points off of those rebounds, which is the one area of this game that you and I were scared to, to, to sort of bet on the, against the Knicks is they rebound and the Jazz, they just don't, and they give up a lot of points in the paint, um, which is where the Knicks score. The Knicks are, again, in the top 20-ish in terms of their three-pointers that they're shooting, the amount that they're doing it. Last year, we saw sort of an influx of that. It's come it's dropped down a little bit this year and how often they're shooting the three, which should only help them against the Jazz, who, like you said, are basically the best three-point defense in the league top three and made three three-pointers made attempted and percentage from their opponents um th this year which is huge so you know that's another reason they've got all the wing players um that, that the wolves need and are sorely missing this year on their team which is why they're playing so well uh, around that wing defense and offensively um you talk about them sharing the ball the knicks that's my thing is like Jalen came in, he's a point guard, and they're still in the bottom 10, bottom eight or so in terms of uh, assist per game, assist percentage, and all that kind of stuff for the Knicks. They're, they're not moving the ball at all. Um, and if you're going to keep them from being able to, to move the ball and they have to play that ISO ball, which is where the majority of their points come from, unassisted two-pointers, unassisted three-pointers, um, then you're, you're feeling good about it. And that's going to put a huge ceiling on their on their ability to score, which 105 points a game on the road versus 121 a game at home right now. It says everything you need to know. The way that they're shooting, the pace that they're playing at, everything is just much faster and better and at least more efficient at home, um, even if it's not good because their defense is still atrocious. So um, there's not much to like about this team, and I'm not going to feel like there's much to bet on for them uh, until they really don't have Tibbs in the driver's seat anymore because we know what this team is when he's there, and it's just not better than 500. Yeah, and if you're counting on Jalen to roast this Jazz team like he did when he was with the Mavericks, I mean, it's a completely different defense at this point, right? He's kind of that pick-and-roll Maven, uh, a la Chris Paul, who can really expose Rudy Gobert by putting him in those actions. And I, I don't think he's going to suddenly resurrect the Knicks offense here. I think the discrepancy in three-point offense is too much. But and also, the more I think about it, the, the better the under kind of looks. Just because the Jazz, like, I mean, the Knicks going to get those second-chance points. The Jazz struggle to rebound. That's the one thing with those lineups with Markin and, and Olenek, that they're going to struggle to box out. But the Knicks are not highly efficient on the first or the second chance. Um, and, and then the Jazz also 25th in free throw attempts. So it, there's some offensive regression, I think, coming here. And even in those kind of great performances to open at home, the Jazz have gone under in three of their five home games, the exceptions being that second matchup with Memphis, with Ja, who's just and Bain, who are just buckets, and then the Lakers, who play at the fastest pace in the league right now and, and are pretty reliable going over so I, I do I do really like that as a tease here, um, whether you want it for this game or another one. But I think, yeah, if you get the Jazz down minus two, minus one, whatever it closes at, along with that under, you should feel pretty good. Well, yeah, I'm going to use your logic, but I'm just going to do it slightly differently. I would I feel more comfortable about under 230 than I do about four and a half, five points. So I might as well just hit a money line jazz uh, money line jazz under bet there um, and probably get a little bit better on my on my money there. Just because I mean, I know that that's gone up actually since we were talking about it in terms of the jazz were closer to four to open there at minus five. It's still it's still uh, the money line at minus 205 for them. So you go ahead and parlay that with the under uh, and you're definitely 
looking at closer to one and a half uh, to one on your money there in your return. So I, I'd probably rather go that way just because when I saw all the stats I saw before I even looked at the total and I was looking at this game and then I looked at the total, my thought was this is going to be at 225. Uh, and it was at 230 and a half right when I saw it. So um, I think that's what I feel. You know, I know I opened this by saying I lean jazz, but as it, that spread keeps creeping up and we just saw, you know, them that that 280 point total against the Thunder that the, the Knicks had in regulation. Um, so I think that's over, you know, that's blowing this out of proportion a little bit. That game was in New York as well. So there was obviously reason uh, to like a little bit more, a few more points when they're playing in New York. And then we get to this game. Yeah. Nets plus two at Kings total at 226 and a half. It's crept up a little bit. I mean, you got to think under with the Jock Vaughn Nets here, but you got to think over with the Kings at home. So for me, that the total is just like wait and see and gather more information for the next time these teams play. Because, I mean, totally nailed it last week when the Nets were playing the Knicks that this is going way under. I mean, since Jock Vaughn took over, their pace is down. Um, it was down seven possessions at that point. It's crept up a little bit to 94 now, their their pace. Defensive rating is 10 points better than last year. Um, 17 points better per 100 possessions than it was under Steve Nash. Uh, and But the offense is a concern. It's just, it's Kevin Durant. There's there's It's Kevin Durant and four guys playing off Kevin Durant uh, because Kyrie is still not eligible to play. And predictably, the Nets are... Minus seven net per 100 with KD off the floor. They're a raw plus 75 with him on the floor in their last seven here. And they had gone under in six in seven straight, including the last game with Nash before they went over in a loss to the Lakers and losing to the Lakers definitely raises some red flags that this the the initial the honeymoon might be over right with with jock uh with with new coaching blood with Kyrie out of the lineup and that kind of galvanizing everybody to give effort on both ends of the floor and now you're just smack in the middle of a road trip you're in your third game in four nights after playing back to back in LA uh and you got to go to Portland right after this to end that road trip i don't see the nets having you know being emotionally that high for this game. Um, I mean, the last time they were in Sacramento was actually the Harden quit game where he officially just like loafed around. I think Kyrie only had four points in that game too. And they lost like 12, the 12th straight. Uh, but it's, it's just a long way from home. Katie hasn't played against Sacramento since he's with the Warriors three years ago. So we'll see how they guard him. Harrison Barnes probably gets first crack at that, but I would much rather take a team, a, a, a well-balanced team in the Kings who, I mean, let's face it, are, are playing like a real top 15 at least team. They're playing like a playoff team. They've won six of their last seven with De'Aaron Fox. Their, their loss without him in Miami was close. Uh, they're 9-3 and three against the spread on the season. 7-0 and oh against the spread with a normal one day of rest. 5-0 um, and oh after a win. They're coming off an impressive win over the Warriors where – Sabonis, um, what, 22 boards in that game? He's now finding his stride again. You talked about it the last time we picked the Kings. In his last six now, he's averaging 22, 12, and 7, getting to the line eight times a game, shooting 57% of the floor. And the Nets, while they're number one in paint points right now um, and, and doing a good job limiting that under Vaughn, they just got roasted for 37 by Anthony Davis and gave up 56 paint points to that Lakers team that, that can't shoot. They also gave up a good three-point percentage, and they couldn't hit from three. Um, so the Kings, 
have snipers though. They, I mean, they've got great shooters. They're fifth and three pointers made right now. They got both Malik Monk and Kevin Quarter playing off Fox and Sabonis. Great passers, great initiators. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty simple for me. If the spread is only two or three, I'm taking the Kings all day at home here. Uh, there's a massive kind of rest advantage and, um, I think more overall talent. I mean, Durant might be the best player on the floor, but what do the Kings have the next best four players in this game? At least <laughs> easy. Yeah. Easy. That's, that's, that's sort of the, um, the difference in makeup of teams this year are it's like, how heavy are you at the top and, and what do you have behind how heavy you are at the top? Um, are you winning because you're the Utah jazz and, and you have just like five or to eight really good NBA players, or are you the nets and you rely on, on Kevin Dur- on one player, especially right now to have a 35 to 40% usage rate for you to do anything. And, and that usage rate doesn't even include uh, the amount just that he has the ball in his hands. So I, I would rather have uh, a team full of, uh, of, wing players and a few stars and and that's what the Kings makeup is I think it's definitely a, a, a there's a few things that these teams do really differently and, and a few team things that they do really similarly um and and it is I'm speaking specifically about the Jacques Vaughn um Nets which it's it's definitely there was a bit of a honeymoon phase that that loss to the to the Lakers as you said definitely raises some eyebrows but that loss was sort of the way that the Nets are gonna lose and it, it looks worse because they scored 103 against the Lakers who I mean are better on defense to be honest and they gave up that 116 I think it's it's the way that they they're losing like you you know we were talking about the you were talking about the things that they do well, things they don't do well. Well, AD just ate them alive. Um, and, and really, he didn't even really need to do anything um, around the, the, the um, excuse, outside of the paint. He really, he had 18 boards in that game, um, a bunch of second chance points. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he, he shot better than, I think, like 65% from the field uh, and like 75% in the paint. I, I just, I looked at that game a lot, like what the hell happened here? I was, I haven't even, I remember all of that just from looking at it a few nights ago because I was just so confused. Uh, and that's really all it was. And if, if that's the rest of for success against this team against the Kangs it's it's it, it's it cautions me a little bit to feel that comfortable about the Nets j- just in this or about the Kings being able to handle them just from the standpoint that um, if the if the, the, the you know the Nets a uh, three point defense has been a lot better if their defense the way that it's been constructed since you know Jacques Vaughn took over is to slow things down and to not let you allow you to have those wide open shots um, that they were giving up earlier in the year then I, I think that the, the Nets stand a lot better of a chance than we might give them I do start feeling better about that under a little bit more that, that you were talking about, you know, 226 in, in, in a game where, um, you know, the, the Kings, they're playing still pretty fast. Obviously, they're they're the Kings, um, but it's not like that's all that they have is just De'Aaron Fox run and gun. And if, if he's not doing his thing well enough, then they're then they're in trouble. Right. I mean, they're still in the top 15 uh, in terms of their pace um, are the Kings. But at home as well, there there's a bit more uh, efficiency where you go, OK, there, if there's not going to be as many turnovers either and, and the Nets can't get those points um the easier points those points in the paints that you were talking about too a lot of those in transition for them then i, I think there's you know that's where you, you lean kings because of the fact that they're if they're going to be that efficient on offense um and they're going to be able to like i said not turn the ball over that well which is something they've done incredibly well uh in those last four games which is why they're they're, they're winning at the pace that they are then then yeah i'll feel better about the kings but Overall, man, I'm I'm a little bit shook on this one. I think it's a, it's a fun game to talk about with the way that these two teams are sort of splitting. And I'm, I've been talking out of both sides of my mouth since I started speaking in this segment, um, which is, just shows you the sort of hesitancy that I have to lay money on either of them. Full transparency, I'm not. Uh, I, I really like that other game a lot better in terms of the Knicks and Jazz. I think there's a lot more 
reliability there uh, and what we can expect. I think there's just a little bit more influx and that that loss to the Lakers giving up 116 points on the road for the Nets is what gives me pause to even feel any kind of confidence in either them or that under, which is where I'd want to lean if I were going to bet on this game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're still in the information gathering stage, I think, with the Nets. Like I said, it's a seven-game sample size and uh, there's a lot of uncertainty just in the night-to-night effort you're going to get from this team now that they've kind of settled into their new regime. Um, you look at the numbers, though, yeah, I, I mean, I come back to the Kings being able to score either in the half court or in semi-transition. Uh, the Nets are 27th in opponents' three-point shooting, and at home, the Kings scoring the fourth-highest percentage of their points off threes, which is strange. I mean, they're number one in two-point percentage, but they're like – bottom three in terms of their points scored inside the arc. So, I mean, maybe they could get something going there, but I do look at Durant having a big game here. Uh, Like I said, hasn't faced his team in three years. Mike Brown's defense is really funneling things inside the arc to the mid range. That seems to be what they're built on, but they're dead last in opponents shooting efficiency and 28th in paint points, uh, 28th in two point percentage. So I think it's a mid range game for KD to get a lot going and maybe bend that defense and get some dimes. So, I mean, maybe that see a little preview uh, of our player props there. If you don't want to bet on the result of this game, maybe bet on the stars showing out. Uh, But like I said, I want to wait and see what the pace and the defensive rating is like consistently for the nets before I bet over or under. Uh, I do feel fine taking the Kings though. I think they they're kind of routinely undervalued in these spreads uh, definitely nailed it with them beating the Lakers and transitive property. They beat the Lakers. Lakers beat the Nets. Uh, let's go. They're at home. But more importantly, they're, well, they're at home. Nets are on a tiring road trip here. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you said that. And I know you said it sarcastically because transitive property by far exists less in the NBA than I would say any sport, even the NFL, which confuses the hell out of us because it's such a matchup based sport. The NBA, it's not nece- it's a matchup based sport, less so than the, the NFL for sure. But it is uh, who's playing. What what point of the season is it? it's an 82 game season versus, you know, eight. Well, what how many do they play now? 17 in the NFL, right? Like every week in the NFL, we're going, OK, we got 17 weeks to make our money on this sport. Da, 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 da. Let's get these bets in the nba dude is happening every night right so like when it's a five game slate there's a bit of weirdness this is just one that's a little bit of a stay away because we just labeled rattled off like 15 different sort of categories of stats game theories that could that could materialize here and they're all conflicting and they're, they're they, they all could go either way this team rebound doesn't give up points in the paint this team scores all their points in the paint they both give up a ton of three pointers and don't defend it well they both one of them shoots more i don't know one of them has kd right can mike brown's defense it's the first year that we're really seeing it like you said can it can it can sort of funnel kd are they going to let him go off for 38 and, and minimize what everybody else can do or are they going to try to shut him down and say royce o'neill and seth curry and, and and company you guys need to beat us right like I, I still don't quite know and that's why i don't feel comfortable enough with with the the stats and the sample size everything we said to, to maybe wager on it tonight but we don't have to we've got plenty more opportunity to uh and we've got the Knicks jazz game that we can feel good about tonight so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. 
Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first player prop for tonight. Yeah, Memphis-New Orleans game with Zion yeah, yeah. As, a, as, as a game time decision. So that's what we're waiting on for props there. <clears throat> uh, Luka Doncic, though, his props are up and uh, he's facing the Clippers, which he loves to do. You know, he's roasted them, as we know, in the playoffs. But last four regular season, 41 points per game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. 42% usage, 41 minutes per game, ho-hum. Uh, you could say, oh, well, PG missed the last two when he went, averaged 48 points per game. Uh, but, you know, he still had a solid game. Uh, the one game that was at LA in that span, I guess it was diminished. But then you go back with both PG and Kawhi active in March in Dallas uh, in 21. Luke had 42, nine assists, shot 57% from the floor. He's averaging nearly six threes per game at nearly 50% against this team. So if those guys are strong enough or rangy enough to keep him from getting to the rim, which he's been doing at will this season, uh, he has been willing to step back on them. And the biggest thing here is the home road splits for Dallas as a team. I mean, first of all, they had some struggles here at Washington, uh, at losing at Orlando, and now they're, but now they're back home and it's just, it's going to be a different story, especially for Luca this year, averaging 36 at home compared to 32 on the road. Still pretty impressive, but the efficiency is way better. 134 offensive rating at home versus 109 on the road, getting to the free throw line 13 times per game. And in his last game here against Portland, he was just, he had a triple double. He had uh, 42 points got to the line 18 times he's just completely undeal wittable uh to to steal a phrase uh so i mean he's at 40 and a half points and assists you get minus odds there minus 120 i don't hate it 32 and a half points is fine he's pretty much you, you can tell he's he's banking on 35 in a win because that's only plus 190 at FanDuel. it's just like yeah what else so you can get some juice five threes in a win at plus 630. I don't love that because he's he's getting to the rim more than he's shooting threes this year. But I do like the assists because LA on a back-to-back here, they, yeah. they tend to score more on a back-to-back and give up more dimes last year uh, playing with tired legs. So, I mean, yeah, just the overall stat line for Luka, you expect at this point 50 points, rebounds, assists, which is where we're at. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, if, it's, if you're taking Luka against the Clippers, I'm with you. Uh, there's some teams he just loves to just smash, and this is probably at the top of his list, right? So um, points, whatever, with him, it's it's all inflated because it's him and it's this year. Uh, and he's he's he came out the gate hot. So, you know, he, we're not sitting around waiting for Luka to get back into his playoff form if he's going to be there all season. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be much of a letdown and against this team uh, and the Clippers, which uh, I've been fading a bit here and there uh, as well. Feel pretty good about it. So, uh, 
another guy here, another point guard who uh, playing above, I think he took, took a little bit of a leap this year uh, that we've been waiting for, De'Aaron Fox. Um, and, and those Kings, and it, we talk about them in that game video versus the Nets. Not sure how comfortable and, and much we love uh, this game. I know you like the Kings a bit more. We lean under, maybe. That's close to 50-50, so not much to get there. But De'Aaron Fox is, is doing his thing right now. 29.5 points and assists. It's minus 120 at DK. It's not if you wanted to try to shop that and, and maybe even um, buy it or sell a few things uh, and get it to like 30 and a half or something so you could get closer to uh, even money. I, I understand that too. His last five since he, he sat out one game, uh, first of all, I should say his averages on the season are, are above this 29 and a half. It's 25 and a half points a game and six assists um, against, you know, every, every, in, in all of the games that he's played this season. So I feel good about that. His last five since he's, he sat a game, he's actually upped his numbers a bit to about 27 a game, uh, seven and a half assists. His usage rates up at about 29 and a half percent in that time, shooting 55% from the field. Very crucially, 36% from three, which is huge for him. 82% from the line is actually pretty good as well. He's had some seasons finishing set in the 70s. So keeping it above 80% for him is huge as he does get to the line. Uh, a pretty good amount, especially for a point guard. We know he loves to run and gun and gets about five a game, um, But I, which is what you would like against uh, Brooklyn. I like the assists as well um, because of the fact that Brooklyn does allow the fifth most uh, assists per game to their to opposing point guards. Not for many other positions, to be honest. They've done pretty well against under Vaughn in terms of limiting assists, but not to opposing point guards specifically um, where they average they allow about 23 points nine assists a game to opposing point guards uh, D Fox is getting about 36 minutes or so uh, a game uh, so far this season or 33 rather but still playing a bunch in those games that he needs so he's the best clutch player in the NBA right now Nate I should also make that clear uh, De'Aaron Fox averaging the most points uh, and, and has an incredible assist to turnover ratio in clutch time as well another reason you might lean Kings there with the way that he's been playing taking care of the ball and it's that shooting five threes a game making nearly two Two of them, 1.9 for 5.1 from the three-point line. That's what we've been waiting for for him is if you at least are a, a, a worried that he can make an open three um, and he's shooting 37% from there, then everything else is going to come because not very many people can stay in front of him. Yeah, I mean, the clutch scoring is key here. If, with a basically a pickup line, you expect the Nets to get in the, to a close one here um, and Fox to, to get his down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, I like that pick just fine. Uh, steer away from Sabonis, I think, because how good the Nets have been limiting pain points. But at the same time, they just got shredded down low by the Lakers. So um, the one under we're going to take here, uh, I take I, we kind of like under in this Jazz Knicks game. The Jet, the Knicks at least at least their bigs know if they don't play defense, they're going to get yanked off the floor like R.J. Barrett was on Sunday. And Laurie Markkinen, I mean, he tends to struggle against teams that are physical down low that limit pain points. You look at his numbers uh, recently after after roasting Atlanta. He struggled against Washington and Philly. Really struggled on the defensive end against Philly, as Joel Embiid put up like a, a wilt like quadruple double basically uh, against him. Uh, the Knicks are first in pay points on offense, so if he's not getting it done down low, we might not see as much of him uh, from the Jazz here at home. He's averaging seven rebounds per game versus nine and a half on the road. He does score a little bit more at home. I do think the Jazz are due for some negative regression in terms of their shooting. Yeah. He's shooting 60% at home thus far. So 27.5 points and rebounds. I want to get the rebounds in there because I don't think he's your typical big that can that can really muck it up with these Knicks bigs who are true rebounders. Uh, and, and the Jazz overall 27th in rebound rate 
Uh, so I like that better than 19 and a half points on the under for marketing. I, I do think that that's a fine market though, but uh, yeah. on the road, the Knicks are allowing 43 paint points. So that's the fourth lowest. And in, and in three against Tibbs, the Tibbs Knicks, if you will, marketing is getting 11 points per game granted in 28 minutes at a lower usage, but that's a long way to go to get you probably the 21 points you would need uh, for him to get over this combined total. Yeah, I think if we're leaning on on uh, on under in this game as we both are at two thirty and a half, um, you can still go under and have some guys get some stats because that's a very very high total. Um, but if you're going to lean under and you're going to look at where you, you think the Knicks, um, you know, obviously the strength of their defense, Mitchell Robinson might be back tonight. He's been out for a bit. That definitely didn't help them, uh, or maybe it did actually help them give up one hundred and forty five points uh, to the Thunder recently. I think it's going to be tightened up a bit. I mean, you just it's not going to be two games in a row like that. Let's put it this way. If the Jazz blow this team out today, the the Knicks, the fire Knicks, uh, the fire Tibbs uh, chants from the Knicks are, are going to be probably coming to the Garden pretty soon. So um, I, I do think there's a bit of a reason to have some pride in that Knicks defense uh, and play a little bit better down low. So um, let's finish things off with one more over. I'm, I'm sticking to that Kings-Nets game. Talk about KD. Let's just talk about the two best players on each of these teams. We talk about Fox, now KD. 37 and a half points and assists for that man as well. That's minus 105 um, because that's very, very high. And you're pretty much banking on him scoring close to 32 points or so. I think five to six assists is like the what you expect from KD. If he gets you seven, eight, nine, then you feel good about it. But he's got to he's got to put up the points. I mean, he's, he is the offense. Um, we, we were looking earlier at what they are uh, on the, the last seven since uh, Vaughn took over. KD is when KD is off the floor. They are a minus six net rating. <laughs> um, everybody else, when they're off the floor, the, the, the worst is, is still positive. Right. Royce O'Neal when he's off the floor there's still a positive net rating for the nets every other player besides kd can come off the floor they'll still have a positive net rating kd comes off it drops to minus six so um that tells you playing 33 or so minutes a game um uh, in that time frame with a six 32 usage rate this is all under Jacques in those last seven games 29 points a game six and a half assists a game uh you look at a few of the most recent ones 11 dimes versus the wizards 12 dimes versus the knicks and a triple double when they blew them out he didn't even have to play in, in a lot of that fourth quarter 31, nine and seven versus LA. So seven dimes, at least in all those games, um, sack, they're not good on defense, but pretty much everywhere. Um, they're a little bit better in terms of limiting assists, but that's also because they just don't have very many good, uh, one-on-one defensive matchups for you. Uh, there's no stoppers on their team that you're like, Oh, avoid going up against this guy. It's like, no, let's just attack every single person on their team from every position. Um, and, and that's why I don't think they're really specifically bad against any one spot. Not that it matters. KD is his own position. Um, and we talk about it in the game video, the way that this team is playing defense against a three is horrible um but they're they're a little bit better in the paint um but it's also that two-point mid-range that you talk about mike brown funneling that defense uh and really trying to push people off of the three-point line where katie's happy to shoot it from wherever you want if you're going to give them that three-pointer at the at a rate of allowing your opponents to shoot like 38 percent from three which are the kings right now then i'll take it but if you want to push him it right inside for a one-handed 17 foot pull-up i'm also pretty fine with that for him to get those 32 points or so and then you could throw the assist on there happily so that you get that that minus 105 instead of the points which are you know closer to minus 115 for him yeah you only need 31 points for him to get that point total but i i do like adding the peripheral stats because i think mike brown's gonna have a scheme in place to deal with durant i mean him being such a central part of this offense and it might be kind of like force him inside then try to make him give the ball up so he might be kicking out to like 25 threes tonight and if the only if the nets hit like nine of those 
that's still nine assists for Durant. So, I, I mean, the ball's just going to be playing in his hands. Everything's going to go through him. So that's why I would want to combine the assists with it. I think that's a good call. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's the same concept as, as Fox, who's got the ball in their hands for most of this game uh, and is making things happen in a game that we'll see. We, we're, we're Neither of us are probably going to lay anything on tonight's game. We are going to have some fun watching it. Nate leans Kings a little bit. I'm leaning uh, Fox and Durant at the very least. So that's all the time we have for you guys in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We'll be back each and every weekday of this regular season for you with some game line videos and those player props that we've got for you. So until we see you next, happy betting.